Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Today, our senior pastor, Dr. Charles Redmond, joins us with a timely message entitled, Loving People Despite Our Differences. If you'll open your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter number four is where we're going to be this morning, and uh, we'll be at that scripture, and I'll read a little of that story uh, in a moment or two. Now, Friday morning, I was sharing with Dottie about my sermon today. And I said to her something like this. Hey, in my sermon Sunday morning, I want to use you as part of an example of something I'm going to say. And I want to be sure it's okay. And she said, well, what are you going to say? And I said, well, I'm going to say something like this, that in our 55 and a half years of marriage, there have been some times you and I have not agreed on some things. And she said, well, it's okay to say that, but you need to change one word in that statement. I said, what is the word? She said, you need to take the word some out and put in the word many. (laughs) And I agreed with her. That's how you stay married 55 and a half years, fellas. Well, it's true. In our 55 and a half years of marriage, There have been many things we have not agreed. But in the midst of all of that, listen very carefully because this is the point. Even though we have not agreed on things through these years, we've always agreed on the main things. Okay, all this other stuff, you know, we don't always agree on that. But not one time have I ever ceased loving her, even though... I may not have agreed with her on, as she says, I'm just quoting her. I just thought it was two or three things. She says it's been many things. So she has a, a, a view of this deal of maybe a little different than I do. But here's, here's the point of my telling that. You do not have to agree with people to love people. You really don't. You do not have to agree with people to love people. But listen. The Bible teaches that we should love people whether we agree with people or not. And that's easier said than done. As I think about that, with his words, Jesus taught that over and over and over again. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said to those that were listening to that sermon, love your enemies. Now, how does a person become an enemy? Well, you don't agree with the person. They have a strong feeling about something. You have a strong feeling about something. And that, that difference in agreement many times can make you just not like that person at all. Sometimes it even gets worse than that. But Jesus with his words said, no, you're to love people. He taught his disciples that. In that upper room, Jesus said to his disciples, it was a very interesting thing, on the very night of his betrayal, he said to them, you are to go out and love one another. And then he put it, he made it even tougher. He said, as I have loved 
you. Also in that upper room on that last night that he would be with his disciples, he said to them, uh, the way people are going to know that you are a follower of me is that they're going to see that you love people. By this, you will know they will, that you are one of my disciples, that you love one another. So as I think about this whole idea of whether we agree with people on things or not, we must be on guard to be careful that we continue to be obedient to what God's Word says and we're to love people even though we may not agree with them. Not only with His words did Jesus teach that, but with His life, Jesus taught us that we are to love people. It's a very interesting thing. For example, as you read the Gospels, you, you see Jesus extending love to people that he did not agree with how they even were living their life. Jesus ate with the, with the tax collectors. He ate with the sinners. Now, he did not condone their sin, but he extended love to them. I think about in John chapter 8, that woman caught in the very act of adultery. Now, he did not in any way approve adultery. In fact, quite the opposite. But what did Jesus do with that woman? He extended love to her. He said to those that were accusing her, he who is without sin among you, you cast the first stone. And they just all went away. And Jesus looked at her and said to her, you know, you go and sin no more. It's not that he was overlooking the sin. No, no, no. In fact, he was saying to her, do that no more. But in that whole conversation, in that whole encounter, what did Jesus do? He extended love to someone who he obviously, by his teachings in the Bible, did not agree with how she was living her life. Then in our scripture this morning, we find Jesus extending love to a Samaritan woman who had a lifestyle. He certainly did not condone her lifestyle. But look with me in John chapter number four. We find, in fact, we'll just kind of pick up here about verse three. The Bible says Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he's going now from the southern part of Israel and he's going to the northern part of Israel, which is the Galilee area, and he's going to go through Samaria. Now, normally the Jewish people would go around Samaria, and I'll explain in a moment. In verse 5, it says, So Jesus came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, he sat down by the well. It was the sixth hour. That is, it was noon the hot part of the day. Verse seven, a woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now, we just must understand that in 721 BC, the Assyrians came and they just uh, 
overtook Samaria and they took the better people, the stronger people, the fittest people, the more intellectual people. They took them captive and they left behind kind of a little remnant of uh, not as, uh, uh, not as uh, equally qualified people. And then over a period of time, other nations moved into this area and they not only moved in, they brought their religion, they brought their gods. And then in time, they intermarried with those Jews that had been left behind. And then they, of course, had children and those children became known as Samaritans. That's an oversimplified understanding of that. But here's the bottom line. The Jewish people looked at the Samaritans as half-breeds. They had zero to do with them. The Samaritans were worshiping other gods. Uh, They were not pure Jewish people. And so here's this woman saying, I cannot believe that you, being a Jew, would ask me, a a Samaritan woman. And then as you read on this story, time won't let us read all the story this morning, uh, we find out that this woman, uh, she had had five different husbands And then when Jesus told her to go and bring her husband now, he said to her, but the man you're now living with, uh, he's not your husband. In other words, she had been married to five different men, and now she's living with a man she's not married to. On top of that, she's a Samaritan. On top of that, she's a woman. And a Jewish person would never talk to a woman like one-on-one in private like Jesus was doing. So, I mean, this whole deal is just a situation where there's just, here's something not right about this woman. Here's something not right. Jesus would have been against all of that, but bottom line, get the big picture. He extended love to this Samaritan woman. So as I think about that, what I want us to think about this morning, and we need to think about it. It's a very timely subject. And that is this, that we should love people despite our differences that does not mean we love necessarily what they, what it is that makes us different. Maybe, maybe they're doing something we, we say, I don't, I don't approve of that. Or they're doing something we say, well, you know, the Bible teaches the opposite. It's not that we are to overlook sin, but what we're to do, as the old preachers used to say, we're to love, we're to hate sin, love the sinner. Well, that's exactly right. We need to hate sin first in our own life, in our own life. And then we're to hate sin in this world. But listen, we are to love the sinners. How will a sinner ever come to know Jesus if we don't extend love to them? Could I have an amen to that? I mean, if we're just going to say, oh, look, these people, they're not living like they ought to live. We wash our hands. We'll have nothing to do with them. We'd never eat a meal with them. We'd never associate with them. Now, there'll be times where we can't associate with people living certain lifestyles, but There'll be other times maybe that we can. The point is, yes, we're to hate sin, but yes, we are to love the sinners. Now, I want us to think this morning, if you take your bulletin, we're going to work our way through it in the little time we have. Because what I share this morning is so timely for this period of time in which you and I are living. Hopefully, some things we will think together about. The Holy Spirit would not only let your ears hear and your mind begin to ponder, but it will work into all of our hearts, and we'll, we'll just let the Holy Spirit direct us as He chooses. First of all, we should not let differences in politics keep us from loving people. Now, you've always, I just feel the building kind of tighten up when I say the word politics. Well, 
look, folks, <laughs> this is where we are today. I mean, this is just part of life. But now hear what I say there. We should not let the differences in politics keep us from loving people. Now, most all of us have a political opinion. Could I have an amen to that? Can we disagree on that much? Now, we won't ask for an amen on this next statement. Many people not only have a political opinion, they have a strong political opinion. You can just kind of agree with me on that. I mean, they'll fight you over it. You know, you can say anything you want to about Jesus and they won't much care. But boy, you say something about an opinion uh, they have in the, in the realm of politics and, and it gets to be a very different thing. Now, now here, here's the bottom line. We just have to understand everybody is not going to have the same political opinion that you do or that I do. But if we want to be true to Scripture in this area, we should love people regardless of their political opinion. We may totally disagree with their political opinion, but that shouldn't make us hate the people. And have you ever seen such hate? In our America, as we're seeing now, we thought 2016 was bad. It was a warm-up to where we're headed, evidently. And I'm just simply saying, and I'll tell you why this is a serious matter. You may say, well, you know, you can do Well, it's more than just you can say something about it. Thing. See, see, here's the bottom line. I'm not going to let people's political opinion that may be different than mine or is or mind that's different than theirs, cause me to sin against God. I'm just not going to do that. Because hating people is a sin. Not loving people is a sin. And if we're not careful, in fact, the battle line seems to be drawn, you know, and, you know, one side over here hates the other side, and the other side hates the other side, and, well, we, we look at all that. Well, I can't fix all that, but what I can do is search my own heart and say, now, wait just a minute here. I mean, I need all these things are important, but they're not so important that it's going to cause me to sin against God. God's Word does not say to you and me, you love people unless they have a different political opinion. God's Word teaches you love people, period. That's it. So, We'll move on from that so you can take a deep breath. But it's about to get worse. <laughs> it's got to about get where we live, really. We should not let differences in religion keep us from loving people. I wish you'd write that one down. My gracious, there would be seldom a day go, certainly a week go, unless you just stay locked up in your house, that you and I do not interact in some way with people of, of other religions. They do not worship the God we worship. Like they may worship Allah. Well, I don't even believe Allah exists. Okay. Well, I have friends that are Muslims. I, I don't agree with their faith, and I'm sure they don't agree with my faith. But if I want to be honest with Scripture, I, I can't 
fail to love people of other religions. And there are many other religions. It's, you know, when I grew up, it was real simple. There were the Baptists, and there were the Methodists, and there was a Presbyterian. And down the road, there was one Catholic family. You say, well, where in the world did you grow up? Well, I grew up where I grew up. But it, I mean, we didn't have all this. My dad meant well. And see, I, I've, I've never felt this. But like, you know, I was taught, you know, you don't have anything to do with them. Well, I never, even as a child, I knew that wasn't right. And I'm not being rude toward my father. He would just been raised that right. You see, I've never had a deal. That's never been a deal with me. Listen, folks, the, I know saved Catholics and I know a few saved Baptists. None of that has anything to do with it. It's all about Jesus. Could I have an amen to that? Yeah, yeah. You know, the church doesn't save, Jesus saves. But I'm just saying, just because somebody has a different religious background, or they may have a different religious faith at the moment, listen, Jesus with his words and with his life says we are to love those people. You know, doesn't mean we shift over to what they believe, but we love them. It's not a phony deal. It's a real deal. Not only different religions, but, you know, we, this whole deal about religion, it's amazing. You would think religion would be the one area where you wouldn't have any problem with this. It's a huge area. It's a huge area. Like, we should love people of other denominations, even in our Protestant faith. I mean, like... If somebody's not a Baptist, there's something this, that, young. That, what different? Listen, isn't it a sad thing that one denomination of people can't love another denomination of people, and then they all gather on Sunday and talk about the love of God? That's the biggest hypocrisy that's ever been on the earth. But not only other denominations. Listen, let, let's just, you know, we should love people who belong to other Christian churches. We were, sometimes I feel like we have this attitude like we're enemies with the other Baptist churches or the Methodists. Look, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. The stronger all these churches are for Jesus, the better for all of us. Could I have an amen? But you know, man, we're not in competition with them. You know, people, if they want to go to those churches, if that's where God's leading them. You know, uh, then, then we just, that shouldn't separate our friendship. But now, I haven't said that. Listen, it does separate friendship. It does separate friendship. You know, I, I'm saying, I just wish we could just all just be the same church and not have all these different things. But it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. I'm just simply saying this. We don't need to let different church memberships be any factor or criteria in loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. On that, I'm right. And I rest my case on that. But not only that, we, we must mention, we should not let differences in convictions keep us from loving people. And, you know, people have convictions, and sometimes convictions run deep. But the bottom line is, don't let someone else's conviction about whatever it is make you sin against God. Now, here's the deal. I think probably 
unless you just want to be cantankerous this morning, you'd probably agree with me on probably everything I've said. I mean, I mean, how would anybody in church say, I disagree that the pastor says, that the Bible says that we're to love one another? I mean, you, you, you're going to have a weak case on that one because it doesn't really matter what the pastor says. It matters much what God says. And if you know very little about the Bible or if you know an enormity about the Bible, the bottom line is the love of God is the subject of the whole Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. In fact, the Bible says God is love. And that means if we have God living in us, <laughs> they're going to have love coming from us. The question is not whether we agree with all this or not. The question is this. This is, this is the, how do you do this? How do you love people that you don't agree with? And they don't agree with you. And the issue begins to grow and grow and grow. You say, man, this thing, this thing's about to end a friendship. This thing's about to destroy a relationship. That's what happens. How do relationships ever get destroyed? Right here. People don't agree on stuff, whatever it may be. And sometimes that grows to such a a magnitude that it just destroys relationship. Now, the Bible's very clear. We're to love people whether we agree with them or not. The question is, how do you do that? All right, listen carefully. I think this makes sense to me. First of all, let's remember, God invented man. In other words, God made man. All right? Now, just like God invented man, God made man, mankind, for example, makes engines. We'll just use an engine, for example. And just like when man made an engine, he made that engine to run on a certain fuel. You have to have fuel to run the engine. Okay, now, God made man, and God made man, listen carefully, to run on himself. That's how we're to run. You are a person. God made you a person, and God teaches in the Bible that you are to run on himself. In other words, when you invite Jesus Christ to come into your life, you trust him alone for the forgiveness of your sins. Not what church you belong, not your baptism, not your anything, but you trust Jesus Christ and his shed blood on Calvary's cross to pay your sin debt, and you place your trust in his atoning work, and you ask him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and make you a Christian. What happens is God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. Now, once the Holy Spirit lives in you, he becomes your fuel to live your life. But here's the key. Here is the key. The key is God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit 
must be filled in your life. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like a person that is intoxicated, they're under the influence of alcohol. Well, what the Bible is saying, don't be under the influence of alcohol, but instead be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That is, the Holy Spirit of God is going to be your fuel so you can live your life. Now, it is a daily thing. It says be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's in the present tense. It means you. it's a continuing thing. You continue rather than grieve and quench the Holy Spirit by sins that we commit, what we do, we ask the Holy Spirit to become our fuel. And then we go through our life and then here's something we don't agree on or here's something we don't agree on. And instead of beginning to hate somebody or hate this or that or yonder, what do we do? We have this fuel in us that empowers us and directs us to live our life loving people with all of their warts while they love us with all of our warts. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.